Hey everyone, it is Sean and Dave here from Saturday Morning Cartoons. We want to thank the following people for going to patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons and supporting our show. So a huge thank you to Derek Haynes. Dr. Jason Woods. Jamal Newman. Melanie Harker. Allison Keene. The one and only Sean Paul Ellis. And the amazing Dave Trumbor. Oh, thank you so much. Now, it might sound kind of weird that we are thanking some familiar people and ourselves in this list, but we want to let you listeners out there know that we are not just asking you to support us through Patreon. We are actually putting our hard-earned dollars uh, into the show as well. So we just want to say thank you to those who have supported. And for anyone who can't but would like to help, that, help out the show in some way, feel free to share our Patreon page within your social media circles. It would really help a lot. So thank you, guys. We appreciate you going to patreon.com slash Cartoons to sponsor and support our podcast. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from the island of Genosha, I'll be your co-host, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always and representing the Hellfire Club, it's Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, bud? <laughs> uh, David, David, David. I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? I'm doing good. You have some like weird pamphlets that you're handing out to everybody in the office today. Um, uh, I'm just doing like a new club that you're a recruitment, recruitment effort for Hellfire yeah. Club. What exactly? It sounds, I mean, it sounds pretty cool. What, uh, uh, what's going on with this thing? I mean, we just have a lot of people that we're just trying to, to get on board. Uh, you know, we're just, we realize that we can't really kind of keep this as a, a family effort for okay. as long as we thought we would. And so we just figured we'd kind of branch out a little bit and kind of see if anybody's interested in hearing the good word about the Hellfire Club. What, uh, I mean, what's your, what's your like elevator pitch here? What, uh, can I join? Can anybody join? Yeah. What, oh, what's... no. I mean, we okay. are, we are a, we are a 501c3 nonprofit, okay. sure. uh, registered in, uh, in the United States. And, uh, mm-hmm. we are, we are all inclusive. Uh, the only thing we ask is that you have some kind of mutant power. It's oh, like the okay. one so, stipulation. Well, I mean, what's your like? metric for measuring like does it have to be like super cool like do i have to have like razors in my hands or can i just be like weirdly tall and angular is that does that I mean, count look we can't we can say for certain mm-hmm. who's a mutant and who's just a regular norm and so okay i'm gonna i'm gonna that's fine i'm a little triggered by that terminology but that's fine I'll, all right I'll well look go. you you don't have to worry dave you're not okay. you're not a norm you don't have oh, to worry okay. about it all right what you're telling me is that you feel super. Mm-hmm. You feel like you might have super powers, feel, some yeah. super mutant abilities. And so I don't care if it's something as super cool as parkour. You know, I'm down with that. Okay. I don't care if it's something where you're just like, I can eat an entire box of toaster strudels in one sitting. Mm. That's a now pretty that super power. That's, that's pretty super power. But I have, a, I have a question for you. Do you guys, I mean, it seems like a pretty cool prestigious club. Do you have like a dress code? Is there anything? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, man, because yeah, uh, because I don't want to show up with not you know not the right attire. No, no. I mean, look, if you're coming to if you're coming to a new event, you want to make sure that mm-hmm. you're prepared for this. Yeah, First yeah. impressions go a long way, and so uh, we're looking and we're thinking flashy. Also, okay. along the lines of flashy, sharp pieces of your costume, as many sharp pieces as possible. When you say sharp pieces, are you saying like? physically sharp like cut myself or yeah, like yeah, yeah. fashionably sharp oh no, no no we're talking like like both 
Like you want, okay. you want this to be something where you're going to potentially cut yourself. Uh, you want to, you want to, I mean, that's just me. That's part of my mm-hmm. hellfire experience. Oh, it could I be see, something okay. where you decide that you just want to walk around shirtless uh, with mm. a pair of pants. Or it could be something where you decide that you want to dress like you're somebody from the 1700s. There are a wide variety of things that are available in the Hellfire Club for you to pick up on, Dave. This is what I was wondering. I have like a nice, uh, like a throwback kind of dandy with like the cravat and the and the the waistcoat and the high ankle socks and the buckled shoes. Ooh, slap and a cod piece on and you're ready, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'll bring that. I'll bring toaster strudels and we'll do parkour. We're gonna rock out the Hellfire Club. Our ladies, uh, our lady, is it exclusive to gentlemen, or are ladies allowed in the Hellfire Club? Uh, ladies are allowed in the Hellfire oh, Club. Oh, fantastic! How progressive um, of you. Uh, it is. It is literally anything that they want to wear. Uh, mm. I will say this though, as sort of like a heads up, uh, mm-hmm. a majority of the women are either look like they're dead ghosts or they're wearing next to nothing. So okay. just, just a heads up. I don't make these rules. This is just me allowing women to be empowered and wear whatever they want in the hellfire club got it it sounds like a cool place and i'm looking forward to it but we should probably talk about tonight's cartoon what do you think oh my god <laughs> please <laughs> please oh my god so, so clearly we're speaking of something from the x-men universe right what could it possibly be oh uh, man we are talking about wolverine and the x-men yeah uh, and if tonight. you're not familiar with this one which you may not be it's relatively recent not quite as famous as the 90s series Sean's going to walk you through the history of this particular show. Sure. So Wolverine and the X-Men is a 2009 American animated series by Marvel Animation. It is the fourth animated adaptation of the X-Men characters, the other three being Pride of the X-Men, X-Men the Animated Series, and X-Men Evolution. It ran for a total of 26 episodes on the Nicktoons network, which is very confusing. Yeah, pretty weird. One of many confusing things about this show, not a Nicktoon, not, you know, created for or developed by Nickelodeon. It just happened to air on the Nicktoons network. So there you go. Yeah. As for what the show is actually about, the story begins with Wolverine deciding to leave the X-Mansion. But when an explosion occurs, Charles Xavier and Jean Grey disappear and the entire X-Mansion is pretty much destroyed. The X-Men team disbands and its members go their separate ways. Cyclops isolates himself, Storm travels to Africa, and Iceman moves back into his parents' house in the suburbs. One year later, the MRD, short for the Mutant Response Division, an anti-mutant government-supported organization, begins capturing mutants from all over the country. This causes Wolverine and Beast to join forces and bring the defunct X-Men team together again. How do you like that? I mean, I think that there's a little bit of humor in sort of the setup. You know, obviously the idea that Iceman goes back and lives with his parents. Um, We have Scott Summers acting very emo, which if you've ever seen anything with Scott Summers, that's pretty much him. Is him to a T. Yeah. uh, You know, we so I mean, it's kind of an interesting setup that, you know, they would kind of disband and go in their their opposite directions. But you would think, though, for like. And this is just my conjecture on this, that you would think that for mm-hmm. a team that is so bonded to a location being the X-Mansion, that it would truthfully be something that in light of it exploding and no longer yeah. being there, I don't know, they would maybe do a little bit of detective work. Maybe this would turn into sort of a, yeah. like, a, a, I don't a know, a quest for vengeance, <laughs> you know, yeah, or just something. A, they just, someone essentially just like assassinated your leader, your idol. And then one of the other most powerful mutants the world has ever seen. And you guys are just like, mm, I guess we'll just go away from here and not try to rebuild this place or figure out what happened. 
I mean, technically, yeah, Wolverine is kind of on the case to figure out what happened, and we do find out what happened by the end of the first season. Uh, it's just a weird <laughs> first, setup. First and just like, only season? First and only <laughs> season. Yeah. It's a weird setup, though, to be like, this crazy thing happened, and then this team that was so close just decided to peace out, just leave. Right. It's, it's a weird way to set it up, but it kind of makes sense, because what else are you going to do? Right. I, I do want to note, uh, you know, in, in kind of understanding a little bit more about this show, is that I guess people really enjoyed this show. Yeah. Uh, and, and this was something that they were slated to do a second season. Oh, yeah, and they set of, it up in a big way. Yep. Oh, and they, they, like, they even, uh, what was it, during uh, Comic-Con in 2009, they mm-hmm. showed like a whole bunch of stills and, and things, and they were bringing in like they were bringing in a whole, and, and this is what's crazy. They had so many characters in season one that just felt yeah. like they were just kind of there, uh, whether it's like for coloring in the background or, or whatever. But season two felt like it was like, hey, what mutants did we miss? How can we get them on here? Because they were like, let's get Cable, let's do Colossus, Deadpool, Havoc, Jubilee, Magic. I had to look up Magic. I didn't know With who K, that yeah. yeah, I did not know who that was. They were going to bring in Holocaust, Holocaust, Sunfire. Yikes. Uh, Anytime you bring Eunice in a character the called Holocaust, you yeah. know that you're struggling. But like, I mean, we'll we'll explain why uh, yeah. why they would have done that because it actually plays in well to sort of how the finale of this ended. And so I think tonight, yeah, and that's what we'll talk about tonight as well. I actually watched the premiere. <clears throat> I watched the first episode as well to kind of get some context on this. So it'll it'll help to bookend it. And we'll explain some things that were taken care of in the, the season itself, because there are things that happen in the finale that you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> if you just jump there and watch it for some reason. Go ahead, Sean. On the other hand, I felt like, or I only watched the finale, and I felt right. like I had the proper amount of context, and I spent the proper amount of time watching this show. I think we're going to have a difference of opinion on this one, because I enjoyed it. I would kind of like to watch more of it, but it's on that... It's on that scale of I probably never will. Like we've said, we've said in the past for certain shows where it's like, man, I would love to watch some more of this, but only a few times, maybe a handful of times, five tops. Right. I don't know how many we've ever actually done. I know you're watching One Piece now. Oh you're man, I'm up like, on that. I'm on like the Arlong Pirate uh, yeah, saga yeah. now. So if if you remember a couple of weeks ago when we did uh, with Alex uh, Kazanis, um, we talked about One Piece. And I had just watched my first episode, season one, right. episode four. I'm now almost done with the first season, which is like yeah, 54 exactly. episodes. It's a lot. Yeah. So it's a, I've been really binging hard on that because the show is just so much fun. Uh, and and I, I just think like for me, like when we've said that in the past, like I rarely had the time or inclination to go back and watch more stuff. Like I said it about Gundam. I really want to go back and watch it. Don't have the time. I think the only thing I went back and watched was like more Centurions just because it was ridiculous. But that was oh, also really? like two and a half years ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that was just more for like nostalgia just because I loved it. But I don't know, man, like this probably isn't one that I'm going to go back and watch a lot more of. But yeah, we'll get there. Let's jump into the theme song or what passes for a theme song in this particular show. Oh, boy. All right. So I'm going to start this off by saying. Yeah. A uh, couple really confusing points. One, okay. nothing is nothing is ever gonna measure up to the '90s X-Men: The Animated Series theme song with a mm-hmm. uh, like nothing is ever going to compare to that theme song. And when this came on, I was like, please let this have some even like small, 
tiny little element that is going to bring it back or like it's going to be somewhat nostalgic to this the series reintroduce it for you know uh, an audience almost 10 years later like please have something something that's going to like help bring me in and it had nothing it was what? really it, I don't think it really had anything in the background what? that was key. You really don't think so? No. I think I disagree. I think it played with the theme of it. It just like twisted it a little bit. I, I just felt that it was. I very really muted. thought you were going to be like, I was so happy to hear the. Thing no, the I was theme not. I was what? really. I mean, I've watched it now three times, and uh, and and we we've talked about this all uh, every once in a while. This was a dedicated theme song that sort of acted as an yep. introduction. Uh, none of the animation that was in the theme song is something that was ever going to be used in the actual show itself. What was a little bit confusing is that dropping in at the finale of episode 26, they were already fighting Sentinels or getting ready to fight Sentinels. And in then the show itself. Yeah, right. And, and then, then this the theme, theme song yeah. kind of came on and I was like, oh, cool. Wow. They jumped right into the fight sequence in this. I was like, well, that's that's kind of fun. And then sort of like this music died in the background and kind of the team like at the very end kind of assembled like Wolverine yeah. and the X-Men. And I was like, oh, yeah. that was the intro. Okay, <laughs> fuck me. Like, <laughs> what was interesting though is like with this theme, look, like the '90s, the '90s theme is great. I I disagree. I think that this theme does have throwbacks to it. They're they're here and there, and they're they're twisted enough that it's not the exact same thing. But there's flourishes of it. It also sounds very kind of. It's got kind of a minor tone to parts of it. It's very like orchestral, and it's got some progressions that are similar to even like Batman the animated series. So it's almost like a mashup of X-Men the Animated Series and Batman. I'm not saying it works. I'm just saying it's kind of, they kind of took those two tones and smashed them together. But like if I and asked then, you to hum a little yeah. bit of that orchestral tone. Oh God, tone, I have no idea. Yeah, no I, idea. That's, that's the thing is like for the Batman, for Batman and for, for X-Men the Animated Series in the 90s, those things, I mean, and, and we just mentioned, we always say like, oh, I'm going to go back and watch more of these series. And like they're readily available. I can plop down and watch all of Batman TAS yep. on Amazon. I can watch all of um uh, I can watch I can watch all of X-Men on Hulu uh without any trouble whatsoever. And I, I think I did watch a couple episodes of X-Men, but I, I kind of stopped at some point. I only watched like maybe yeah. two or three more. Like, but that theme song is so distinct. You can play that in anywhere and all of a sudden my ears will perk up. But this one I was like, oh there is like you have such an an opportunity to mix this so that this orchestral background is really driving the action that's going on. Yeah. And it just didn't do that for me. No. And I agree. It just kind of is there. I yeah. Mean, it's fine. It, and, and complicating things is like, look in the nineties series, the, the cool thing was like the animation. It did a cool roll call of all the characters. So like everybody would get their own kind of like cool title card moment. Like Iceman, but well, I don't know if Iceman had one, but like Cyclops would have one and beast and Wolverine and Jubilee. <laughs> storm and everybody they would all have like their own like title card moment but at the same time like there was that driving uh music in the background this one they're just kind of like they're like you already know these characters they're gonna fight sentinels <laughs> and here's some music with some like fighting noises over it and it's just kind of meh just kind of smashed in there so yeah the the noises and the and the sound effects really kind of mask the music to begin with when you hear it clean by itself it sounds better it's still not memorable now yeah. granted to compare two shows that we watch like hundreds of episodes of, even if, you know, it was repeat viewings or whatever, in the 90s, where that stuff is like deep in your brains and deep in your neurons, versus stuff that we just watched probably today, two or three times, <laughs> it's not going to be as memorable. But yeah, I, I agree with you that it's not quite, as, uh, not quite as strong. And it's a weird intro because it's not, it looks like it's part of an episode. Like it does. 
Like, you know, especially for that last episode where they literally are fighting sentinels in the streets. And that's, that's what happens in the intro is they just fight sentinels in the streets. It's tough. I do like the intro though, where they, they show the MRD kind of going after mutants and like these two, um, you know, jackbooted thugs are going after these kids who are labeled as mutants and Wolverine literally drops right in front of their sensors. <laughs> it's like, that's a cool intro for Wolverine. Who's going right. to be our hero throughout the series. But then after that, there really wasn't a cool moment to be had in the intro. So. Yeah. It was actually, uh, I, I'd say that moment where they yeah. sort of have those soldiers and the sentinels kind of identifying that those two young kids are mutants. Mm-hmm. That is probably one of the most redeeming things just because it sort of shows you the justice aspect yeah. that kind of Wolverine, you know, cause he's such a loner and the show, he's obviously now the, the titular character yeah. uh, and he's always been a standout X man, X person, um, you know, on the team that everybody loves and so uh, to kind of have him in that role was, was nice. I, I think that that yeah. was, I think you're right. I think you're right on that one. I agree. Cool. Um, do you want to get, I mean, we'll get into the animation style, but we've talked a little bit offline about the cast as well. Do you want to talk about the, maybe we'll mention the casting and whether you think they're properly cast when we get to the characters themselves. You want to do that? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, cool. So first we're going to jump to the animation style of this. So what was your first in person, first impression of the animation style of uh, Wolverine and the X-Men. Uh, it was <laughs> it okay. Deep sigh, deep no, it was okay sigh. because if you've ever watched X if you've ever watched X-Men Evolution, it didn't right. feel like this was too much of a far cry from that animation style. And so, you know, the uh, let's be honest, the the X-Men from the 90s was like really flashy. Like it was really 80s 90s inspired. And this one had an opportunity to kind of really carve out its own niche you know, in the late 2000s and, and kind of adhere to some really interesting styles. And it sort of went back to some of the more basic costuming that we, we saw for especially Logan and for, for Emma Frost, um, you know, uh, Scarlet Witch. And so all, all of these characters look to see and, and be kind of identical to like what you would imagine them to be in a comic book character, only like slightly updated. And, and X-Men Evolution, I thought, did a kind of a good style of, of bringing yeah. that artwork into the 2000s and kind of yes. introducing a new character and some new ideas in terms of what was going on. And I felt like this was like, you know what? You guys got it. We're just going to copy paste whatever we have from evolution into this crap. Yeah, it looked like a weird combination of like the 90s series and evolution because it was, from what I remember, the 90s series was like fairly detailed and fairly yeah. realistic looking, realistic in quotes because these are obviously like superhero proportion comic book characters and also cartoons (laughs) but like as far as like realistic like hair and shadowing and facial hair and body hair i mean there's how many uh episodes where wolverine's like walking around shirtless or in his like uh either like the wife beater or that like that white tee and you see like every stinking hair on his arm his knuckles or whatever and even the claws like they look they're just detailed and there's attention to detail and there's time taken on each of the frames And they're not perfect, but they do have its own style. Everything's got, you know, meticulous uh, details in the designs and the costumes. Sure. This this was, I mean, if Evolution went in a more kind of like cartoonish, freer direction, but they still had some interesting aspects to those characters. They still kind of stood out. This is kind of like halfway between both of those. And honestly, it's, it's not, it's okay. It's fine. Like the proportions I thought were weird, right? So shoulder, everybody's got huge shoulders. Yeah. Everybody's got like non-existent waists. One of my favorite um, comments from like a YouTube page was like, everybody on this show skipped leg day because everybody's got these <laughs> tiny spindly legs 
<laughs> but they're like jacked up top and they look kind of top heavy and silly. Their hair never moves. Their clothes yeah. never move. It looks, it looks cheaper. It looks cheaper. Let's yeah. just put it that way. I agree. And I, I like yeah. the fact that sort of with the, uh, with sort of like the, the fixed with shoulder proportions and sort of like these upside down triangle bodies yeah. um, that they had for everybody that um, they, they really tried to kind of like standardize at some point, like what the like quote unquote X-Man uniform looked like. Right. And it, it felt like this was like their opportunity where they could be like, oh man, we can make this really distinct and we can make this really like combat worthy. And it was just black and gold. And like the black, yeah. the black of the of the suit just kind of blended in with like this grim black and brown background the entire time. Yeah. Like it didn't stand out. It like other than these dumb fucking shoulder pads that they had on, they kind of looked like Judge Dredd, like for yeah. like for better or worse. The, the and like things that stick off the sides, especially Magneto, who's yeah. just like ridiculous. Yeah. The entire time, I was hoping somebody would just take off a mask and be Carl Urban, and I'd be like, "Yes, what are we doing here? Let's make this yeah. happen." That's uh, what I did love that about the 90s series because it did harken back to like the 90s comics run where everything right. was like bold primary colors, like didn't give a fuck. Like Cyclops was out there in like bright, almost sky, <laughs> like cobalt blue unitard <laughs> with the yellow underoos. And a, and a, didn't he have like a, a utility belt, which he never fucking used? Almost yeah. irritated me. Yeah. It's like, Scott, you spent all that time pouring your muscles into that unitard, slapping that little, them, them little yellow briefs and boots and gloves on. And you get a utility belt. And you don't use it. You just blast people and then whine all day. I never understand you. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. I never understand you. You know, even back in the 90s. Yeah. Well, in in the 90s, like, Logan had, like, you know, that really bright yellow with, like, the the black stripes, like, on his shoulder pads. Yeah. And then didn't he have kind of, like, blue underoos? He had blue like underoos, his, same yeah. as, yeah. And he had a utility belt. What the fuck is up with giving People everybody in... utility belts. I, yeah, but like, there's... We only Why are they really... not... Here's my question. Why are they not acceptable in daily wear? I don't know. I feel like they'd be really rad. They'd be super cool. You could put like Skittles in there, whatever you want. Oh, man. I don't know why I went to Skittles <laughs> well, first. Why was Skittles the first fucking thing? I don't know. I guess I want Skittles. But you could put them in utility Jesus. belt. You know, at any point in time, you could just get Skittles. You know that, yeah. thing, and Just like put them but in your pocket. You... But if you got them in a little pouch, you don't need to get them. You got them. But that's the moral of the story. If you got it, you don't need to get it. <laughs> Trademarked. Oh God. Trademarked. Saturday morning cartoon. Oh God. I don't know. Utility belts are great. I love them. Nobody uses them enough. Batman's like the only one who uses them. Probably Deadpool too. But that's it. Um, <laughs> for the rest of this animation style, I liked the action level was okay for some of it. Like when they actually got to use their powers, it was pretty cool. Wolverine's claw is not great. They looked no. like digital claws on a traditionally drawn body. It was they looked like boring aluminum foil. Like aluminum it it foil that like, was like, like, I'm fucking bored. Yeah. It if you could like, personify aluminum foil and it was, if like Reynolds rap could just be like, you know what? I give the fuck up. That would be Wolverine's claws in this. It basically looked like, like fake silver, like fake, uh, <laughs> fine, fine silver cutlery. It looked like silver plate. <laughs> Silver spoons. Mm. Uh, it just didn't look great. There was a lot of it that didn't look great. It look, it, you can tell it looked cheap. Like It looked like it was made on the cheap. And it's fine. The animation style is fine. Uh, Emma Frost is probably my favorite drawn character in the show. I mean, she's just a lot of, lot, of, lot of female. There's a lot of her to go around. A lot of, lot of female top stuff going on. She was like the only, like Jean Grey, whatever. Emma was like, she was drawn like she is in the comics. 
They did yeah. not skimp on that part. But no. Yeah. But again, everybody's proportions are ridiculous. Top heavy, non-existent, below the waist. Yeah. Can I mention a character design that has been up for debate to help us transition into talking about these characters and some of the Interesting. casting? Interesting. I'm I'm curious. Tell me. Okay. Uh, I actually really liked the design that they had for Apocalypse that we find at the very end. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Blowing this uh, out of the water. I gonna disagree on that one i don't know he looked big and he looked beefy and strong and he had the crazy suit and like the shaved head with like the the weird kind of etching that's in it and he looked massive he looked the the suit and the body were fine the face some he looked like a rodeo clown to me there was something about the way his face animated or moved when he smiled i was just like oh that does not look good was he standing next to Mr. Sinister and the Winter Soldier? Is that who that no. was? Do you know who that actually is? Who? That's Cyclops. No way. It's Future Cyclops. It's Future Shut Cyclops. The... I had to look it up. But it's Shut Future Cyclops up. is one of his horsemen. He's only got one uh, laser eye. Yeah. No fucking way. Yeah. That kind of just Mr. got Sinister cooler. Look. It looked pretty cool. It looked like yeah. the, um, uh, what's the arc? There's a mid, mid to late 2000s arc. Well, probably mid 2000s. Um, where Sinister's kind of like, he's kind of like got a sexy kind of like slick back hair look to him with obviously like the white face and the diamond in the middle of yeah. his forehead and the, the blue black armor and all that stuff. But he's kind of more, um, I don't know, not androgynous, but he's like just definitely got kind of like a slick, sleek kind of sex appeal to him. Okay. Um, he doesn't have the crew cut of the 90s <laughs> version. Um, so that was a cool look. And then I was just like, yeah, who the fuck is this guy? It's Cyclops. And he's still I, got a fucking utility belt. God, and he's damn. not fucking. He even had a shoulder pouch at that point too. He did. That's he had like, like a. Is this like a he had like a satchel. Yeah, half yeah. He had a fucking satchel or like yeah. a, a bandolier that had, had a little utility. Yeah. yeah, he was dropping. A, he works for UPS in the future. That's right. Fun fact. That's all future he does. Future UPS. That's the standard uniform for the future <laughs> UPS. Like, like if you, ruby eye patch. <laughs> if you don't like. You don't like their their service. They're just gonna burn and eviscerate your body. Yeah, so emo, just, emo, uh, just emulate your body. No problem with that. I see John, this being a positive. You have, you have nothing more to worry about. Oh, guys. But no, for Apocalypse, I was not I was not down with that style. I still love the '90s, uh, the '90s version. Okay. Where he's like, he looks like part machine. He looks kind of like techno organic. I could never quite figure out what he what was going on with him. I like that. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. I'm gonna stick with that. All right, cool. You uh, want to jump into the characters then? Who we get to get meet? The... I'm going to have a slightly different list from you because I, again, watched the first episode. So mine's, mm. I got to see Colossus. Uh, I got to yeah. see Nightcrawler a little bit more. I got to see a little more I, of Rogue. I, yeah. Well, do we want to, I mean, I know that we kind of have hinted at this, but we, we kind of have, uh, and this is what's hard about this show, and took me like, I want to say maybe 30 seconds to realize what was going on, but we kind of have people that are in two different times. Yeah, so that's more in plot. Um, we, we can touch on it. But yeah, it took sure. me a second. Because we, what threw me was when Xavier appeared to Logan and then Xavier was next to Logan. I was just like, the fuck is going on? So they <laughs> yep. are in two different time periods. So it is sort of like Days of Future Past, right? Right. Where there's a team in the future where the Sentinels have kind of laid waste to everything. And there's a team in the past where they have a chance of correcting that and, and saving it, uh, preventing that future. Right. And Logan and, and Xavier exist in both. And I know that that's plot. I only bring it up just because the, yeah. like, when we talk about the characters, like, 
you know, they everybody seems to have like two different costumes or it's weird because in certain instances, there's a character that's in the future, but not in the past and vice versa. And so you're just like, right. oh, OK, got it. And there's a lot of time jumping around here because we start in the first episode like a year before and then we jump to obviously a year later and then we jump so much like time jumping. Who knew that the future later? Yeah. Who knew that the entire future just had some type of an Instagram filter over top of it that just made everything really red? Who yeah, knew? It's weird. It was very bizarre. It's very, weird. It's very strange. Very strange. Ugh, but yeah, so who, massive uh, who, do you want, who do you want to talk about first? You want to start by talking about Logan? Yeah, let's get into Logan. Let's jump right into um, him. Sure. I think we've kind of already talked about his claws enough, but I mean, you know, we get kind of the standard, uh, you know, costume that you would, you would have for him. Um, both, both. The X-Men, the fighting costume, and his kind of like day-to-day costume wear, where he's just right. like blue jeans and a white shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, over the course of this, he's, you know, the, these 26 episodes, he becomes sort of the de facto leader, and he's, yeah. he's really worried about, you know, uh, Chuck. Uh, he's really worried about Xavier, as he, or Chuck, as he refers Chuck. to him as. Um, you know, but uh, I, I think... Uh, I think for this character, and I also think for the, the voice actor, like it's it was, with the exception of the claws, um, and then the addition of really, really big mutton chops uh, yeah. at some point. Um, it's sort of what you come to expect for Logan, like good gravelly voice, you know, yeah. for all intents and purposes. I don't think it stood out. It just sounded like nine times out of ten, he was like, Rain. and you're just like, I don't want to, ch- I don't want to trust you. And you're like, out of my way, bub. Bub. He never said it's, bub. I don't think I heard. He never bub. did. I was bummed about that. I was. Um, he called Beast Chewy at one point. That was fun. <laughs> um, I wrote down. So this was Steve Bloom, right? So we're talking right. like Spike Spiegel. Steve Bloom been around a long time. Great, uh, great actor. Great voice actor. For this one, I thought his voice was better for Logan than it was for Wolverine. If that makes sense. So when Logan does his sort of like regular dialogue, and and again, this Logan that we're introduced to is not sort of the feral Weapon X. He's not. Initially, he's not the loner who's off in the Canadian wilderness and they have to kind of bring him in or unleash right. him on things. He's grown to be part of this team. He's grown into a leadership position and he's grown to a position of respect among everybody else at the school. So he's quieter. He's more like even tempered when he speaks to people. It's just conversational. It's not, he's not growling at you. He's not going to rip your throat out at any given second. Right. It's almost when he puts that costume on is when he goes sort of more feral <laughs> he stops talking for the most part, and he just kind of growls at you the whole time. I think Steve Bloom's voice is better for Logan than it was for Wolverine. I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. He's okay with the growling and stuff, but not, not as great as whoever the guy was in the 90s. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know your name off the top of my head. No. I mean, it was, uh, oh my god, it's, uh, is it Caffel J. Dodd, wasn't it? Uh, if it is, how could I possibly have forgotten that? I'm looking. I'm looking it up right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Castle uh, just he was great. Got. He was yeah. great. And honestly, Fantastic. that's like between him and Hugh Jackman, like that's Wolverine to me. Right. Steve Bloom did okay. He did fine. I just thought he did better as Logan. Yeah. Right. No, I agree. What other uh, What other main characters do you have that are kind of the union between the two episodes that we've seen? Yeah. I mean, I guess kind of the major ones. I, so Beast. let's get into let um, let's get into Beast. So Beast, Beast doesn't one. play a huge role in the finale. Right? Doesn't really do a fucking thing except but, get thrown into a building at some point. <laughs> yeah, and be really stupid for some reason. He like fires metal missiles at Magneto, which guess what, Beast? You don't need to be around for twenty six episodes. I know that's probably not the best idea. Super genius. But um, do you, I mean, do you remember the line that Magneto has? Because we can. I mean, I don't think said. there's too much. There's not too much that we have for uh, for. Uh, 
for Beast in this, yeah. in this sense. Here, he had a me. bigger role in the first episode. I'll touch on that. Did he? What did he specifically do? Okay, so in the first episode, Beast is still, like, after the mansion's been destroyed, Beast is still, like, hard at work trying to figure out what happened. So he's in the basement of the destroyed mansion in his laboratory, which is, like, falling apart all around him, and he's trying to figure out what happened. So he says, like, clearly Xavier was the target uh, because he's gone missing, and so has Gene. Um, but he's like, it's, it wasn't biological, it wasn't uh, an explosive, it wasn't a, a thermonuclear, whatever. It wasn't any of this stuff. So he's trying to figure out what's going on. But essentially, the beast that we meet is a pacifist. He's still huge, he's hulking, he's incredibly strong and agile. And he can be terrifying if he's like acting, if he's being like his Shakespeare thespian act. But he's a pacifist, like he doesn't want to hurt people, which is really interesting. They played that up a lot more than they did in the, in the X-Men 90s series, I think. Hmm. Um, he was definitely shown to be an intellectual in the 90s series. He's always like hanging around, reading a book, well, reciting because he, he Shakespeare becomes a... or whatever. He becomes a uh, like a politician, yeah. In, like, at one point. Or he's sort of he, yeah. I think he serves as like counsel to the president, like on mutant affairs. Yeah. He's like a liaison or an ambassador for right. mutant affairs, exactly. And he's always he's always like that. But this was more like an overt pacifism. Like he gives a couple of the guards. He's like, look, you don't really want to. Like I don't want to fight you. You don't want to get hurt. So let's just not do this. And then obviously the guard falls off and tries to shoot him anyway. So he takes him apart. But. um Beast was interesting, and he served <laughs> as like a partnership with Logan to then go after the rest of the team and try to bring people back together. So gotcha. that's kind of what he did. I thought the voice work was great. Uh, this was Fred Tatashur, um, another veteran of the craft. Uh, he was he was fine. He was great. Yeah, and he plays a bunch of different yeah. characters. Yeah, in this usually thing. like he's, the deeper kind of gravelier. Yeah. Yeah. He is Beast. He's Hulk, Blockbuster, and Juggernaut yeah. in this so he's series. The heavies. He's, yeah. he's good for the heavies because he's, he's got that deep, deep thing. Yeah. Uh, but deep. So to, to transition into this, we have this moment where we have Beast who's shooting these missiles uh, at Magneto. And like, I, I want to say 30 seconds before, Magneto has a line where he just goes, building an army of metal men to attack the master of magnetism. And I was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's- yeah, not great. Yeah, I will say this. Time, I, love, I love that Magneto gets his ass handed to him in this episode because that oh doesn't my often God. happen. Yes. Which is weird because guess what? He's super cool, right? But he's just the master of magnetism. Like in the broad scheme of things, it's not the best. When we power. when we get into plot, I wanna I, yeah, I wanna yeah. take this to task because there's there's a lot of problems that I have. He's got with some kind family this, problems going on. Yeah, too. And family problems, but they've just yeah. got some plot problems in general with this show yeah. where they're just like, Oh no, a thing has happened. And then they get like Mag I don't think rush is even the word. I mean, they sonic the hedgehog the fuck yeah. out of this. Gotta go fast. This, yeah, they, they shoveled in as, they shoehorned as much as they possibly could into this and finale. This, and most of this series was broken into like, each episode was like a part one or two or three. Like the episode that I watched tonight was hindsight part one of two or three. The one that we watched was foresight part three and the, and the finale. So, I mean, there's no reason for that. <laughs> I don't know why they rushed through everything so crazy. Um, I don't know. Probably the only other characters to really focus on, uh, I'd say probably Scott, Emma Frost, and Jean Grey, briefly. Oh, I was going to say uh, Chuck. Got a uh, Chuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess Charles, Charles for a second. Let's, let's talk about Xavier. He, the I, Xaviers. I feel really bad saying this um, because, okay. uh, you know, cause, because I, I'm not the person who was doing it. And it's, it's not like I was the, you know, that specific person but um the voice acting yeah, don't feel bad that, critical eye 
Yeah. Yeah, I know. But just the, the voice acting that they had for Professor X, I I did not enjoy that. And that was Jim Ward. Um yeah. and Jim Ward's been around and he's done tons and tons of stuff. Um and he's been around for quite some time. I, I just I don't know what it is. Like I know that we always kind of have this idea that Professor Xavier is, is very like well spoken. It's sort of right. like a little bit of like maybe like a British undertone. Patrick to Stewart. It. Just say Patrick yeah, Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Yeah. It's Patrick Stewart. Guys, Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Or yeah. uh you know, uh, James McAvoy. Sure. You know, like I'm good with, with both of them. I think they both sure. do a, a, a fantastic job as a uh, Charles Xavier. I would say though, in this Jim Ward just was not doing it for me. For some reason, it didn't sound British. It sounded Irish and Scottish matched like mashed <laughs> because together. Because he's a New Yorker. So it's yeah. And he's, like... and he's, he's like a straight up new New Yorker. And like, yeah. it was, it just did not, it didn't connect for me. And so every time he talked, I was like, who the fuck is that? Because sometimes he would like he would talk off screen. There'd be like a VO, like there'd be a voiceover off screen, and yeah. something would be happening, and then it would cut to Charles continuing that talk. I'm like, who the fuck is that? Oh my, <laughs> this idiot! His design fuck. was a little weird too, because he just looked like a bald dude standing around. Like there wasn't a lot to he distinguish looked, him. He looked like a bald dude that at some point, like with like whatever silly putty dome that he had, somebody had been like, oh, I just kind of want to see if I can just. Can I just, just push it in, it in a little, little bit? Can I just yeah. mush it in a little bit? It's a like, little mushed. I, I'll say this. I don't know. Say I don't it. know why Professor X's fucking head looked like it looked lumpy. I don't. He know. looked like he looked like Egghead from the old Batman series. <laughs> he looked like Vincent Price's Egghead, like like with a fake prosthetic egg on his head. Yep. Yep. That was it's it just, pretty. It, there's it's so not many good. things about this this series that were like it's like close but not quite like it's just it just misses the mark in in subtle sometimes subtle sometimes overt ways but yeah the voice acting is some of it i will say i, I believe it's carrie walgren who did um emma frost uh i thought she was really good whoever it was that played emma frost i thought was really good because there she has a crazy arc that she kind of has to go through she's essentially yeah. part of the inner circle of uh, hellfire club who we'll get into it in the plot but has a pivotal part to play and then has a crazy uh, sort of end to her arc uh, by the finale. So I don't want to give away what happens to her just yet, but I do want to uh, give points for the sort of their performance behind her. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that yeah. she, and not only that, but like there were, a, she had a lot of opportunities to really be able to, to yes. emote and, yes. and a decent amount of screen time. And so I feel like, Whenever we got screen time with her, I was like, oh, thank God she's back on the screen. Like, yeah. Carrie, Carrie Walgren, please just <laughs> save us. Fucking voice act your way out of this show. <laughs> what are you doing? It was good. It was good. Yeah. Man. Everybody else is like, okay, they're serviceable, right? So, like, we didn't get to hear too many more people, but they're, they're, they're serviceable. Yeah. Like, I heard Kitty Pride, Colossus, and Nightcrawler in the first episode, and they were all, they all had kind of their accents and their little things to distinguish it, but eh, it was fine. Uh, the the woman it. who played Rogue, I thought was kind of good, but I did sort of miss the like the sugar like at uh -huh. the end of it from like the nineties. I was like, yep. what are we what are we doing? And that's not she, her. That's just bad writing. And that's the writing because she's not played as sort of this like crazy sex symbol that's like opposite Gambit, and they have like insane on fire chemistry. She's played as sort of like this uh, on her own kind of emo loner. Who yeah. only really connected with Logan, and then when he said that he was going to leave temporarily, she was super upset with him. She ends up kind of in the wrong, taking the wrong path for most of this season. Um, it was just a very different, different take on her, 
And it, yeah. it was fine. I just didn't think it uh, quite... It didn't distinguish her, really. She just looked like an emo mutant character. That's about it. <laughs> uh, really? Among many. I mean, Cyclops is always there, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted them to like pull back at some point, and it's just like Scott Summers just listen to like the like Robert Smith the and the Cure. Cure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in the background, just like really getting into it, really just like letting himself like a little bit of Morrissey, maybe you know, just really kind of jamming hard about it. like going to a guitar store and looking at the inventory and being like, I'm gonna buy that Les Paul one day. But he's not gonna fucking buy that. He's never like, gonna buy. And he's it. never he just gonna. Comes he's in never to gonna touch gonna, it every day. Yeah. yeah, he's never gonna take lessons. Like, commit to it or just you know shit or get off the pot, Scott. But like, look, my my favorite power of Cyclops is that he can cry emo laser tears, and that's really the best you can ask for. I don't know if that's a thing that they've ever introduced in this, but That'd I would love. I would I love see that to in know. a what if a Marvel what if. Oh my <laughs> god! I remember those what tears. ifs. Those were those so great. good. Those are fun. What if we talked about the first episode of this series briefly? Let's get into it. All right, cool. So this is called Hindsight Part 1, and it essentially is a, is a great kind of like launching off point for this series. Basically, what happens is you see Wolverine at the X-Mansion. He's packed up and ready to go. We don't know where, but he tells everybody he'll see them when he gets back. So it's cool. So it's just like, okay, he's not leaving. This isn't like a bad situation that he's leaving again. Like he's just temporarily going off to who knows, probably kill a lot of people. And then he'll be back. It's like totally fine. The people who don't like this, Gene is upset with Cyclops for some reason, but Gene also kind of blows Logan a kiss, so they're still kind of playing around with that whole love mm. triangle. Rogue mm. is the only one who's actually upset, so this is where we're introduced to kind of her, like, emo deal, whatever it is. But then as Wolverine kind of goes to go up to uh, Xavier and say goodbye, Xavier kind of, he gets that, you know, the typical, like, oh, my head hurts so bad, I'm, I'm a psychic and I got a bad headache, so you know shit's about to go down, right? So Xavier and Jean both have this like massive headache and then something just like explodes and then it wipes out that whole area and then Logan wakes up a year later. So we don't know what happened and we find out kind of the, the details of what happened at the end of the series, well, the end of the season and series. <laughs> Logan pieces it together a little bit as he goes along the way, but through flashbacks, we learn that a massive explosion happened, pretty much wiped out the mansion and then Jean and Xavier disappeared and after that, everybody disbanded. Now, the, um, the area beneath is still functional. Beast is still down there. And that's how we said Logan and Beast get back together. And then through kind of a run-in with the MRD, they, the, this mutant resource division, I think is what it was called, um, through a run-in with them, they decide to fight back, reform the X-Men, and, and gather up as many mutants as they can. So kind of rehashing the same story, mutants versus the government, mutants fighting back against oppression. Same kind of story, just with a different leader, different style. One interesting thing from this first episode, as they kind of trip through the city, there's these like video billboards that are all over the place that has Magneto inviting mutants to come to Genosha, which I thought was a pretty cool, <laughs> pretty cool little thing to introduce. Like, yes, Magneto is here and he's going to show up later. So don't you fret because he does uh, not appear in the first episode. He's also yeah. going to try to sell you a timeshare. He will. Uh, and it'll be great. He's going to try to get you to move to Genosha. You know, yeah. you and a couple I'd other of your mutant friends. I'd go. Uh, well, you've got, you've got my toaster strudels, my Skittles. Get your parkour stuff. All you need, mm -hmm. Dave. We know you got superpowers and you're yep. super great. So yep. we're going to get That's you fine. that place in Genosha. You just have to th sit through at least two hours of lectures to kind of understand how the financing options and how the sales totally and how you that. have to talk to your friends. Great. I get a plus Perfect. one though, so you can come too. Oh, great. Yes. Nice. 
Uh, let's jump to, let's jump 25 episodes in the future, as this series tends to do. Um, let, let's give him a little... You, say, um, you said it with such disdain. I, I want to call you out for that, because you're just like, this fucking show, we only... <laughs> You're like, I watched, I bookended this show, and I yeah, don't no, think I, I need it's to totally watch any more of it. totally my fault for not paying attention. But just to bring everybody <laughs> up to speed, right? So they, they do do a previously on, which is helpful, because otherwise, <laughs> to fuck is going on. So essentially, in the previously on, we see the Hellfire Club, which is composed of Emma Frost, Sebastian Shaw, and Celine, who I'm not familiar with, but she's apparently like another psychic. Yeah. They're essentially trying to trick Jean Grey, who's in this sort of dream state, they're trying to trick her to removing her mental barriers from the Phoenix Force, right? So she's got the Phoenix inside her at this point, and she's got psychic barriers around it, and they're trying to influence her to drop those uh, walls. But at the same time, she knows that she has a psychic connection to Scott. She knows he's in trouble because they also have him. So that is preventing her from releasing the, the Phoenix Force. That's one right. thing. We also know that the Sentinels now know the location of every mutant available. But at the same time, available, every mutant in existence. <laughs> but at the same time, Wolverine. What is has this like mutant? Down. Is this like mutant Tinder? <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> Whoever the, the single mutants are, the Sentinels are going to swipe left, I guess. One of these days, I got to figure out if it's left or right because I've made that reference a number of times on the show and I never know which way. It goes. I think you swipe right if you're interested and you swipe left if you're not interested. So all Sentinels swipe right. Um, I've, I, I missed. I missed the whole swiping yeah. game i'm kind of glad so. we did so yeah yeah i mean for we better do, or for worse we do want to form a uh a cartoon account and go in and swipe left and right on people as like he-man or lion o i think i really cool. i i really want to i think it's just like i think maybe it's you and i talking with our significant others and being like Make we're gonna sure do a joke cool about that we're gonna do a bit on yes. tinder <laughs> we're gonna do a bit on tinder and okay cupid maybe grinder are you okay, there you go get, definitely getting he-man up on them grinders and so you know it's one of those things where it's just like we just want to make sure that like it's not something that like we're gonna do like you yeah. know for you pick like, up my phone sexy and I get an alert yeah 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 it's totally not yeah. sexy i'm just a cartoon on a dating service yeah this is just so it's is... more like you know <laughs> call the call the psychiatrist more than anything else I'm, I'm this is the definitely going to become like a really weird smc like after dark after kind of dark. moment this is going to become a very strange catfishing episode. What if we get on there and then I match your cartoon character and you match my cartoon character? Yeah. I know. I think it's like by geography. So I think that, that we'd have to be like in the same area. I so, yeah. I have no clue um, how it works. I would yeah. just love the catfish episode where it's just like, well, I thought I was going to be meeting He-Man, but <laughs> it turns out. Like, what if you just show up dressed as He-Man? And you're, still not I'm quite sorry. the same. Yeah. This is a way more fun idea than the concept of this finale episode. <laughs> I was waiting for you to take a dig at the show. All right. So again, to set the stage. So Sentinels are swiping right on all available mutants, but Wolverine is swiping hard right on Master Whoa. Mold because he found Master Mold, the creator of all Sentinels, right? Now so that's in the future. We don't know right. that yet, but there's, there's, there's current Wolverine who, with the X-Men and S.H.I.E.L.D. apparently, and even the MRD, are trying to defeat the Sentinels, which have been taken over and repurposed by Magneto, because right. guess what? They're made of metal and microchips. He can manipulate those. In the future, Xavier, uh, Logan, Domino, the X-23 clones, Berserker, yeah. Bishop, Vanisher, they're all trying to take down Master Mold and the Sentin Sentinels there. 
um, to save their world essentially and not be wiped out. And they're, they're, and, Xavier's there and he's projecting back to his comatose self in the past yeah. to communicate with Wolverine about how best to handle the past. Does that make sense? Guys, that not, not confusing there? at all. Do you actually know what Master Mold is? Well, it looked like a giant robot lady when she came out of the ground. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, the, the whole idea behind uh, Master Mold is that it is a robot. It is, it's, she is a sentinel, cre- like, a portable sentinel creating factory. Yeah. Where She's she can, out of a gene. Yeah. She just, uh, and she is massive. Like, she oh, is, yeah, like, huge. five well, If you're going to birth the... a sentinel out of your vagine, you got to be at least three <laughs> times the size of a regular, regular sentinel. Yeah. I mean, is that how robot births out of a robot vagine works? If you're going to take the time, to make a giant fucking sentinel birthing robot look like a giant human, then yeah, maybe just birth them from your vagine. At some point, somebody in a room had to be like, Master Mold has typically been like a male looking sentinel. Or just like a giant male- head at the center of like a, a production facility like it was in, in X-Men, right? It's just like a giant head. Right. I think when it, when it comes alive, it's kind of like the whole facility almost like transforms around him. Like yeah. around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was just like, somebody had to be like, let's put robot titties on this. Let's make big sloppy robot titties and then yeah. birth sandals from a vagine and then they'll just come up from the ground. This makes yeah. sense. It's for kids. This they love it. So much sense. Ugh. They love it. It's weird. Uh, but that's just one, one aspect of the weirdness. So right. So that's the future. We have future yep. robot vagine Sentinel birth, swiping right. Gotta take hard. it down. Yep, swipe right, right on that vagine. Yep. Um, then I, what's going I don't on know, in the I'm, past? What's going on right now? Going on in the past, as you mentioned, we have uh, the Hellfire Club, which is trying to coach some of this out. So I, I, I trying to coach the Phoenix Force out of Jean Grey. It's <laughs> like that you said, coach. Like they're like coach. they're on the sidelines with like whistles William, and playbooks. Uh, Craig T. Nelson on coach. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I'd love to see Craig T. Nelson powered up by the Phoenix Force. That'd be amazing. Oh my god, that'd be crazy. Yeah, he's on so fire. They have they have this thing where so like in the past they're trying to obviously we said uh, prevent Magneto, but there's a third area that we have to explore that we haven't talked about, which is inside Jean Grey's mind. Yeah, she's got like a dream state going on. Yeah, which is not difficult because if you're in the dream state, everything has a blue wash. If you're in present and day, it's like weirdly everything... slanted to the side and wobbly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're in the present you day, everything's normal. If you're in the mm-hmm. future, everything is like a red kind like of blood like red. copper blood tone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's... Copper blood tone is my favorite sunscreen, by the way. And it is a sponsor <laughs> of this show. Copper, copper blood tone. Guys, it's almost summer and mm-hmm. we care about Be your safe. skin. You should yeah. care about your skin as well. Mm-hmm. Pour some blood on it. Copper blood tone. Copper blood tone, SPF 1000. So we, we have very quickly this, this whole dreamscape thing that uh, Jean Grey is being manipulated to give up the Phoenix Force. And so they're playing and manipulating off of every whim that she possibly has. And let's talk about uh, who's manipulating her quick. Because we mentioned it was the Hellfire Club, the Inner Circle, but specifically, who are the psychics oh, that are kind of She's... doing this whole thing? We have the Stepford Cuckoos. Yeah, which sounds um, insane. And it kind yeah. of is. And it is, because you know why? Because they are all sisters that have been grown from an ova cell that was harvested from Emma Frost when yep, she so was comatose after a sentinel attack. Totally not a creepy thing to do, guys. Nope. Not a creepy thing to do either. Somebody, make, make Emma Frost clones. Somebody went in and took a single ova cell mm-hmm. from her and was just Vagine. like, yeah, we are going to... No, don't they take it from the stomach? Isn't that how... 
I don't know if they make a new opening when they can just... Maybe. Hey, if you can make I... a master mold birthing sentinels from your robot vagine, I'd imagine you can pop an egg out of there. There's a lot of things that are very creepy in this, and they don't really talk about them, nor do they want to talk about them, because no, then they'd, they have to explain, right over them. they'd have to explain to a whole bunch of people, they'd just be like, so this five-in-one, which is what they're also commonly referred to what? as when not called... Yeah, when not called... They're actually designated as Weapon 14. Oh, God. In the whole, like, Weapon X series of things, they're designated as Weapon 14. Interesting. Um, yeah. And so these, these ladies uh, have these psychic powers, uh, have this, these magical abilities similar yeah. to Emma Frost, and they are coaxing and, and kind of manipulating Jean Grey to give up the Phoenix Force out of her. Yeah, and they're doing it through, like, dream states by having, like, various people in her life who she trusts. Uh, or doesn't trust, like if they're, if they're mimicking someone who's chasing her, who's threatening her, then they introduce somebody that she trusts as like an ally, who basically says like, oh, we've got to run from Magneto, please help, you're not strong enough, you got to tell me where this Phoenix Force is locked up so we can get it and we can defend ourselves. So right. essentially like her dad comes in, when that doesn't work, she's like, I really need Charles Xavier. Literally, she just opens like a closet door and he's like, hello, Gene. Like, the fuck? Okay, I guess you're here Hello, then. Gene, it's hello, me, Gene. Charles. Charles Xavier. Charles. What seems to be the trouble, Gene? God. Yeah. Uh, but she, like, they, they're, like, they're draining the shit out of her and she's yeah. flipping out. And it, it's, like, at parts, it doesn't seem like it's really going well. And then... Yeah, she's definitely fighting back. In part because Celine, at the same time, is like, torturing scott for some reason i don't really know why we kind of missed that so that's complicating things and and the complicating things further is where it gets interesting because emma frost comes in in what i assumed was a ghost state but it's actually like her diamond state yeah that's like her her most like uh invulnerable physical transformation right and she comes in and basically like tries to save scott under the pretense because she's in love with scott so under the pretense that selene is messing up stuff with a phoenix and Jean Grey, she's like, knock it off because you're screwing everything up in the other room. So cool it. And, and even, even as all this stuff is getting like fucked around in the present day, future Charles <laughs> Xavier is like, trust Emma, trust Emma, trust Emma Stone. Trust Emma Stone. Trust Emma Stone. I was so close no to saying it. <laughs> <laughs> she's in not, she in was in like, another Marvel property. <laughs> Easy A is an underrated film. <laughs> Watch Superbad again. Emma oh. Stone is in it. I don't know why he's... So, I don't know what his voice is. I don't know. Right but those two movies with Emma Stone are definitely They're great. great. They're fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, God. So... La La Land. Logan. I didn't, I'm not... <laughs> I haven't either, but trust out. Emma Stone. Just, just throwing out words now. <laughs> So there's a lot um, going on at the same time is what we're, we're basically saying. The X-Men are fighting the Sentinels in cool ways, but then we not a lot see of snippets of. Right, and, and there are so many battle scenes in this, and there's not a lot of substance because, like we said, no. they, are, they are just running. They are Usain Bolt running through this episode, just trying to wrap it up like, so, as fast as possible. And essentially, like, the only thing that takes place in the future is uh, that whole gathered team we talk about take on the Sentinels they take on the sentinel like dogs that show up and they try to take down uh master mold. Do you right. want to do you want to do you want to finish up what happens there so we can get back to the present and not try to jump back and forth? Well, they Do you remember who shows to, up there? Uh who I mean, we have Bishop who's in there. Yeah, but... so they've they've got Bishop, Berserker, Domino, uh Xavier, Logan, and then Vanisher uh, is sort of like their teleporter. 
Yeah. And then the X-23 clones, there's a bunch of right. them that are flying around cutting the Sentinels apart. They're actually doing really well taking down the future Sentinels. Doing a really good job. Until Wolverine tries to take down Master Mold, finds that he's protected by, well, she, is protected by a force field. Right. And that's when more Sentinels rise up out of the ground. That's where the Sentinel, like, dogs come up out of the ground. And there's a lot of them. And right. they look like and it's they're ma- boned. And it's Magneto that shows up. No. What? That's Polaris. Oh, that was Polaris? That's Polaris. That's, uh... Oh, it was Polaris wearing... It was Polaris wearing she's, she's her dad's... Kind of, her, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. for some reason, I thought I was like, wait, hold up. Did we get a transgender Magneto for yeah, two seconds? Yeah, I had to I was look like, it up. I was like, when did Magneto get so sexy? I was like, how many fucking kids did Magneto have? Yeah, no, it's God, Polaris. Yeah. So, uh, and you're so right, it is up. Lorna Dane. Lorna Dane. Yeah. She shows up with marrow because like marrow rolls up over the crest of this hill and xavier surrounded by all these uh sentinels is like lorna i'm i'm from england i'm also scottish over here hey lorna or hey uh, marrow how'd you find this and polaris is just like boom and just like takes out all the sentinels so they think like all right we got this we're sold but things don't turn out super well for them because master mold is like super powerful and strong and nearly kills a lot of them yeah do you kind of remember what happened in that sequence? Because it just looked like she went crazy and like cycloned them into something, and then that was it. It, it looks like all that happened was that it like uh, a bunch of stuff. Like, it, it was kind of like one of those like almost like nuclear nuclear yeah, yeah. explosion things where like stuff happens and then suddenly like uh, there's kind of like a white or like a blinding yeah. light, and that was kind of it. And you're and like, that's it. Well, what the fuck? And then we okay. cut back to the past. And we cut back to the past, and yeah. then you're done. You're like, uh. I'm assuming in my brain what happened was Polaris just like blew everything away. And I, I don't know, know like if it, it was her or if it was Master Mold. Um, but I think it's weird because here's where you get into the paradoxes, right? Because they changed stuff in the past. So even if they changed stuff in the past, would the future Charles they were talking to be from that previous timeline or from a new one that has now existed because they changed yeah. the past? They don't address it. They just, t- they just have a chat at the end of the episode <laughs> like nothing ever happened. So and, screw and that then, for a while. We'll go back to the present and talk about that. And in these moments, you have to wonder to yourself, like, why would they get into this? It is so fucking hard to do yeah. time travel like Especially this. Especially with the amount of stuff they're trying to cram into 20 minutes. Yeah. And if, and if I can dig this in there, because they've been doing this yeah. not for 26 minutes. They've been doing this for like four seasons now. Knock it off, CW's Flash. The fuck are you doing? Yeah, you guys, he never learns. He never you learns. guys. He never learns. <sighs> But so we go, we go back to the present. Yeah, what's up with Jean? Um, uh, Jean is now like, has she given up the Phoenix Force now at this point? She, when Xavier shows up and is just like, Jean, where's your Phoenix? Show me your yeah. pretty bird. Oh, uh, and they, the metaphor that they have for this is she walks over in her dreamscape, and there is a like a there's like a canary in like a, 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 a in a bird like a cage that has like cage, a yeah. that has like a cover on it, and so she yeah. goes over, and I'm like, guys, how? Guys, how did you not see that this was in this stupid birdcage? Like, I think, I think for that, because it is kind of like a dream state, like that's just like her mental projection of it, right? Sure. So when she finally, <clears throat> when they finally say like, where is it? Then she reveals where it's been this whole time. So it's kind of right. like you couldn't see it until she allowed you to see it. I was fine with uh, that. The okay. dream state thing right. was cool. Yeah. All right. So she, uh, she does this, opens it up, lets go of the, the Phoenix Force. This thing comes bursting out of her so fucking fast uh and and i I can't remember is this the moment where it seemed like the stepford cuckoos so 
with their magic abilities, yeah. they're able to like take on the Phoenix Force. Well, there are other psychics too, right? So <clears throat> the reason that Gene is able to kind of like contain and somewhat control and, and channel the Phoenix energy is that she's a powerful psychic. So she can fight back against its kind of right. primordial energy and, and control. So split amongst the five of them, yeah, they're somewhat able to manage it and control it. So that's why they all get like instant Phoenix gear and they get like cool Phoenix aura and they're all like glowing and, and on fire. And yeah. Oh yeah. boy. Oh boy. And like, and like in this moment then, they pretty much blow out of this popsicle stand. Well, Sebastian then, gives them uh, gives them a order. Oh, does he uh, tell them to, to get rid of? What does he say to them? He says, uh, he says, it's now time to crush the X-Men, destroy the Sentinels, and burn oh, Genosha to the ground. So they literally right. want to take out every other mutant um, opposition to them. Um, just because that's their thing. Um, and that's what I'm they kind of de- start to do. They start by attacking the Sentinels. Start and this by is where their... Magneto gets his ass handed to him, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, like, so what happens, Dave, with Magneto getting his ass handed to him? Yeah, so we kind of cut back to the city where, like, Beast, Beast is firing missiles. Um, all the other X-Men are doing, like, random things um, to take down Sentinels sort of one by one. So Kitty Pryde has a cool takedown where she just drops. She phases into the internal circuitry of uh, Sentinel. You don't see what she does, but she walks away and the whole thing kind of just, like, explodes. At one point, like, Storm fries one of their heads with electricity, just like a toad. Uh, at another point, Nightcrawler like literally teleports the head of one Sentinel away from its body, which was a pretty cool little move. Beast, for whatever fucking reason, decides to shoot missiles at Magneto. And we've already talked about what happens. Does not end well for Beast. Um, but at this point, then, the Phoenix Five, uh, Phoenix Force Five, show up and they essentially like <laughs> take Magneto out. Like he like in a in a blink. Like he even has this like look of fear on his face. He's done. He's down for the count. Oh! The only thing that saves him from like smashing into magnet paste on the ground is a is fellow by the name of Quicksilver. Yeah. Who shows up and catches him and he's like, hello father, I have rescued your life. Yeah. Stupid. And like, and then, so he's out of the picture and in these like final moments, suddenly you're just like, oh no, like, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna try to attack you know, the rest of the X-Men. This is part of their mission that they've been right. given. And so as they're going to fight suddenly the X-Men, Emma Frost steps out in front of, uh, in front of them and just absorbs all of the Phoenix Force. So, so real quick, cutting back. Um, when the Phoenix came out of Jean Grey, Jean Grey was then awoken and Emma actually stepped in and took out the rest of the inner circle. So she used her powers to take out the rest of Selene, Sebastian Shaw, take them out. At the right. same time, Wolverine was like trying to get into the inner circle, but he was taken out by the, the guys they had outside because him against the psychic attack is basically like they yeah. can take him down pretty easily. Um, and the weird thing was like you don't really even see what he does for the rest of the episode. This entire series and season has been like focused on Logan, but by the end of this episode, like he has nothing to do. <laughs> like yeah. in the future and in the present, he has nothing to do, which is so- such a weird switch. So Emma Frost takes out yeah. the inner circle and she then takes them out and then Jean Grey then, wakes up. Yeah. And she sees and like, Emma attempting to uh, resuscitate Scott. Right. Especially if she just sees this like <laughs> this, this gussied up whore over her man. And she uses what like cables, tentacles, something to like secure her up against the, the wall. So Emma's right. trapped there. Yeah. So yeah. So Jean and Scott head to the city. Jean is trying to head off the Phoenix force in the city. She's 
ready to basically like give herself up as host again. Well, Scott's not ready for that. Scott's like, I already lost you once to this entity and we're not doing it again. And he probably should have been killed <laughs> from when they ran into him. Yeah. Guys, so then, it's, the sa- it's the same Phoenix Force yep. kind of bullshit that we've heard in every movie and yep. every comic. It's like, like there was nothing new to this. It was no. just really kind of rehashing and updating it for a new audience who was probably already familiar with it from the movies and the comic books and previous cartoons that were better. The coolest part, though, was what you mentioned about Emma, because this if, if you go through this whole thing, before we talk about what happens to Emma, we learn from Celine back when she was sort of torturing Scott. Celine gives up the whole um, reality of what happened that day a year ago. So originally it was Emma Frost's plan. Emma and her cuckoos were going to, sound so stupid, they were going to attack Jean to try to extract the Phoenix Force so that they could control it and become like the most powerful. I think she actually wanted to get rid of it. She wanted to send it away before it matured so she could protect the world. That was her initial plan. But then once the Hellfire Club got involved with it, they wanted to harness it. That wasn't part of her plan. They wanted to harness it and use it for their own, their own good, their own evil, whatever. When she tried to attack Jean, Jean fought back with the Phoenix power. So when the Phoenix emerged, that detonated pretty much the entire mansion and everything. So that ruined everything. At, it wasn't bad enough that that's what Emma did. So then they took Jean into captivity. They also took Xavier and then like dropped him on the, the beach of Genosha and just like dropped his body off there where he was found later to make it look like Emma had found him and did the team a favor so that they would trust her. So she's gone from trying to save the world to be kind of being duplicitous, but also trying to be a team member, member that they could trust, but also working for the Hellfire Club, also being in love with Scott, also trying to um, get the Phoenix Force out of Jean Grey, and then eventually, in the end, like you said, she stands in front of the Phoenix, and then what happens? I really wanted you to say, in the end, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Because <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> In the end, uh, she's actually their savior, and she yeah. prevents Jean Grey from having to, to reabsorb the Phoenix Force, and she takes it into herself instead, yeah. and she sort of has this final moment, again, very, very quickly, with no yeah. resolution, where she's kind of going into her diamond state, or it yeah. sort of looks like she's chipping apart. She's like trying to hold herself together of... physically to hold this Force inside. Yeah. Right. And so uh, whether she was trying to kind of solidify her body in order to keep it inside... Uh, or it was just her, like the Phoenix Force is kind of like breaking her apart from the inside. Uh, you know, she's not in a good position right now. <laughs> no. And she's just like, go, run away. And like, and so they do. And that's, they're yeah. just like, bye. Bye. Thanks we're at, so we're much. out of here. Bye. Yeah. And she like explodes from the inside and like the Phoenix Force takes off into the, into the sky. So that's gone. Yeah. So. This should be like Emma Frost's like kind of swan song from beginning to end because she set everything into motion and then she did an ultimate sort of flip and self-sacrifice at the end, uh, which is pretty, that's pretty tough, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like for a kid's cartoon, I mean, you know, where yeah. there were probably not a lot of deaths no. in this entire series, like, you know, or I mean, maybe there were in the future. We have no idea because it's unexplained. You know, we have somebody who uh, who does a little self sacrifice at the end yeah, of this one, and it's uh, nice. it 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 felt even for just watching the one episode, I was like, "This is earned. I'm cool with this. Let's just get this over with." So speaking of, we got two more quick stinger scenes to talk about here. So Whoa. speaking of speaking of things that get over with quickly, like Magneto was thrown from his perch atop a sentinel, right? Hit the ground. His son Quicksilver saves him, and then it, and then Magneto's just like, "Fuck this. I'm out." He's like, "I don't want to do. I don't want to deal with this shit anymore." I was having fun yeah. when I was winning, but now that I'm losing, I'm like, I don't want to do this. 
He's just like, run me home to Genosha. <laughs> like, literally pick me up and run me home. So they go back to Genosha, where he is no longer welcome anymore. His daughter, right. Wanda, Scarlet Witch, has sort of taken over. Says, you are no longer welcome here. Her sister, yeah. uh, Polaris, uh, is with her. And Blink is also there with her. Yeah. Quicksilver stands by his dad's side. So Blink just bloop, blinks both of them back somewhere else. That's it. <laughs> it was no really more fun. for Genosha. It looks like Blink took like one of those like uh like homeopathic healing crystals it and looked just like a glow threw, stick to me. Like yeah. threw like two rave glow sticks at <laughs> Quicksilver and Magneto and just like and you're gone. And you're gone. As, as also to say like they know where this is. <laughs> yeah, they, they need to be they, back. They, Quicksilver they literally here. just ran there from New York. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. So yeah, they but, I mean, you know, fairly quickly. Yeah. Uh we have this uh we have this moment where uh finally um, so the whole know, team's kind of, back together, right? Right. All the X-Men are back together. Uh, Rogue is sort of apologizing to, to Logan for, for something that she's done, which for we didn't see. For being a turd see, all which, the way back in the first episode, yeah. You know, it really has no consequence to what's going on, and nobody nah. really cares about it, because the majority of the people have forgotten about it, that it existed. And then he's just like, let's go see what Chuck has to say. <laughs> so they walk over, and you know, Charles, again, not addressing the problem with time travel or the future fact, but Charles is kind of like in this yeah. comatose state, still, but he's communicating, he's communicating to them through a uh, Tupac hologram over yep. top of uh, his body. And he's just like, you did it. And they're just like, great, cool. And he's like, what was the final line? He's like, but I don't think you're going to have much time to relax. Something or, or like terrible. Something, something awful and foreboding or like verboding and like, and then they zoom up, and then it's like they go over like a hill yeah, into another city. This is back city. in the future now, future Charles. Right. And like in future, like they have all of these like pyramids that are now look like they're drilling into the Earth's like crust. And like, and then it just kind of zooms in. And that's when all of a sudden you hear people in like people just chanting, Apocalypse, Apocalypse, Apocalypse. And then you see. Yeah, they just with Bryn. And then just you bad. see uh you see Sinister, you see yep. Evil Scott Summer, and you yeah. see Apocalypse come out and you're just like, Who are the other four horsemen? Or who are the other two horsemen in there? Yeah, or at least at least so, two, if not three. Yeah. yeah, two, two more. So I was just like, ah, okay. Like that was kind of a, an interesting way. I mean they teed yeah. it up for season two. Just yeah. a bummer that they didn't get it. Yeah, I don't know. Is it a bummer? Because you don't seem super no, thrilled. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not bummed out about this. I thought. I thought it was okay. I mean, those are our opinions, but there are folks out there with a different opinion. Yeah. So I think I'm gonna take the. This is time for love it or hate it. Your favorite part of the show. I think I'm gonna take love it tonight. How's that sound? Yep. Get it. This comes from I don't know because his name didn't copy apparently. Uh, so somebody. <laughs> From 2008, which I don't know how that happened. They must have watched it overseas because it didn't open here in the States till 2009. This is very suspect all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> it's titled Amazing. Now I'm going to go and watch it again. So this morning I watched the first episode of Wolverine and the X-Men. I was like, all right, X-Men Evolution was cool. I'll give this a shot. Now let me tell you, I'm a huge comic book fan, but in a cool way. Nice. A way that attracts women, you know? Nice. Anyways, so I watched the first episode, thought it was pretty good. I like the plot of it, but it wasn't enough to completely grab my attention. I just watched the second episode. Wow! Amazing! If you watched the first and thought it was alright, watch the second! Something about seeing all those familiar faces and the forming of the X-Men Brotherhood just grabbed me and whipped my face against the wall and said, This is awesome. 
Once the complete first season comes out, if they break it apart like Evolution, by the way, I might actually run into a wall over and over again. I might break all contact with the world for a week and bring my laptop into some vast abandoned forest or something and just replay it over and over again. Stay off the grids, you know? 10 out of 10. <laughs> Guys, let's get into this hate it. So this is obviously somebody who did not enjoy this. This comes from X underscore bad with two Ds from Jamaica, February of 2011. Uh, and he gives this a uh, three out of 10 stars. And he says the most boring Wolverine cartoon of all time. Thanks. There's only one. So it's, uh, so I guess, technically. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to this. So indulge me. Uh, this cartoon really isn't impressive. And anybody who doesn't agree is a Wolverine fan. Wolverine and his X-Men, as, as I call it, is all about Logan. I know he's popular, but the whole point of a team is that everyone get their, gets their own time in the spotlight. This show was all about, quote-unquote, Wolverine, not the X-Men. They are merely there as his lackeys. It's not impossible for Wolverine to become the leader, but the circumstances have to be right. Storm, Nightcrawler, even Beast could have done a better job, especially considering uh, that they have successfully filled these roles or filled that role of leadership in the past. The overall plot was disappointing. Uh, we were led uh, on from episode one and only saw progress right before the season finale. Some characters simply just fell flat. Blob and Toad were simply empty shells of their former selves. These guys were never smart or powerful, but you could, you could get where they were coming from and what, motivates the, or what motivated their action. But in this series, they were just numbskulls. Emma Frost was also disappointing. I know there were challenges making her character more appropriate for kids, but it seems to be pointless and boring, whereas Emma, I'm used to, uh, is complex and intriguing. I expected that from a team led by Logan would encourage more action, but the fight sequences were mainly disappointing. Continuity was also screwed up. Forge was a kid slash tech guy, and Kitty was acting like a babysitter on their missions. Here's an accomplished Native American shaman and, his er, and a veteran uh, from the Vietnam War who needs the protection of a teenage girl. I wasn't aware X-Men were in the business of babysitting mutant babies. Mystique had this whole fabricated history to tie, in, uh, to tie her in with Wolverine more than her kids, Nightcrawler, and Rogue. I realized the series tried to incorporate a multitude of X characters, which was noble, but ultimately it fell short in the characterization department. The only reason I gave this show three stars is because I enjoyed Nightcrawler and the Cyclops solo episodes, the season finale, and a few scenes with Kitty and Rogue. Three, three out, out of ten. ten That's a rough, stars. That is a rough Man. score. What about you, buddy? Uh, do you uh, recommend this? And if not, do you give it the dip, meaning you erase it from all existence? I don't recommend this. Ooh. I, I, I don't recommend this, uh, but if I, with the obvious caveat that if you really love X-Men and you're just like, oh, I got to watch it all, just watch the finale. You're going to get all you need to know in the finale, and that's really it. That's like, I'm glad that I watched this final episode. I do not think I'll go back and watch more. And if somebody asked me, like, what X-Men series should I, I watch, I would not recommend that they check this one out. Yeah, it's tough because... Instead, it's what, the fourth one, the Kitty Pride and the X-Men didn't really count because it was kind of just like a precursor to X-Men, the animated series, I think. Um, you know, I might be wrong on that one. I'm not sure when that came about. But honestly, 
If you're gonna watch an X-Men series, just watch the one from the 90s. And then X-Men Evolution was pretty good too. This just doesn't really offer enough anything different. It's just like a, a, a diluted kind of rehash of the other stuff. I have a tough time recommending something that I'm not gonna watch any more episodes of. <laughs> yeah. Or don't even have like the inclination to do so. I know people out there love it though. So if you guys disagree with us, feel free to, to send us an email. Maybe, you know, send us a, an episode that's your favorite or a moment that's your favorite and, and tell us to check it out. But yeah, I'm going to say there's better X-Men shows to watch than this one. I don't think I can recommend it. Doesn't get the dip. Doesn't get the dip. It's not that bad. It's not yeah. offensive to the senses. It's just. It's not offensive. And there's a really talented cast yeah. who is doing all the voiceovers. And it's a shame that this just wasn't a better show. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the, that's the end culmination of this this show it's a shame moving on to next time but don't right. worry i think we'll have more that we have to deal with in the future apocalypse, apocalypse, apocalypse. i just want to watch i just want to watch like a bro series about sinister evil scott and apocalypse just see what they're up to like what bro apocalypse the bro apocalypse what are yeah. they up to yeah would watch mr mr Cine, mr cinebro cinebro is he working at a cinnabon uh, he does. That's in interesting. An he's a Cinnabon manager. <laughs> so he's a Cinnabon manager. Evil Scott works for the Postal Service. <laughs> I think Apocalypse like runs an incubator for like startup tech companies. That makes sense. Yeah. We got yeah. it. Bro Apocalypse. I'm on board. Done. Nice. Tune in next time to hear more about it. Followed by Cactors. All right, yes. but what do you have what do you have coming up <laughs> the next couple of weeks for folks out there? Uh, guys, as always, uh, I do live improv comedy in Washington, D.C. with Washington Improv Theater. The group is called Knox, that's N-O-X, and you can find tickets, information, and showtimes at witdc.org. And I'm always on Twitter and Instagram, at Sean Paul Ellis. And you can find me on Twitter, at DrClawMD. You can also find me over on Collider.com, Nerdist.com, and DaveTrumbor.com. If you're interested in finding out more about this show right now, you can check out our Patreon page, <laughs> patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, it's morning with a U. You can also head on over to SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. Find us on Twitter at Morning Tunes. Check out Sean's handiwork on our Instagram page. Keep the conversation going on Facebook. And listen to our free audio podcast each and every week through YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Also, feel free to tell us that we're wrong and we're idiots for not liking Wolverine and the X-Men by sending us an email, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. I think that's going to wrap it up for this week, but we got a lot more Marvel May to come, and it's probably going to get worse. Not real sure how the next couple <laughs> weeks are going to go. It could be good. Could be a surprise. We've got a BET series coming up. What? Uh, can't wait. Can't what? wait. Yeah. We've got a Malibu comic series coming up. What? I can wait on that one. I can really, really wait on that one. Ooh, I can take a knee. We've got to do it anyway. No, we've got to do it. I know. I know. And then we're going we're gonna to do a throwback with a, Is it a 60s or 70s series? Which one do we go back to? I think it's a 60s series. Is it a 60s series going to the Wayback Machine? Yeah. Yeah. Tune in for uh. the excitement. <laughs> It'll be a good time, guys. Join us for more Marvel May next time. And thank you for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. See you. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out. <laughs>